Zombie podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show I Zombie. My name is Robin, and I did not go to Dragon Con. Uh, my name is Stephanie, and I met Rose. What? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. We got to give some context here. Uh, so uh, uh, we're here to uh, talk about. <laughs> Uh, how jealous I am of Steph first and foremost uh, and also give us give you guys some uh, details about what happened down at Dragon Con from uh, Steph's experiences and uh, we have a we have a good voicemail and we also have a recording of a fan panel that Steph was on uh, to uh, finish off our podcast so uh, first I'm gonna this is actually gonna be the one podcast where I don't talk all the time so <laughs> Steph, I don't know uh, where you want to start. You want to? I mean, well, I'll just talk about how uh, Saturday uh, first thing I went down to uh, a Walk of Fame, the Walk of Fame. It's a huge conference room, uh, ballroom, ballroom, ballroom. Okay, okay. If where all the where the celebrities uh, set up their uh, their booze, and you, I just walk around the circle and see who's there. Because uh, it, this year, uh, Summer Glau was there. That was exciting. Ooh. And uh, uh, Charlie Cox was there. That was oh. huge. Oh, really? Ooh, wow. Yeah, Daredevil. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I made the circle. And, of course, at the end of the circle <laughs> was Rose and Allie. Wow. Yeah. I was so excited. David wasn't there. I bet he was probably watching football or something. <laughs> but, uh, or he wasn't up yet okay 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 let's just let's just take it really slow because you know there's a lot of people including myself living vicariously through you okay so you immediately immediately got in line to see rose first Uh uh and uh she had a line there was a line there Mm -hmm. and um now she looked pretty of course because she's very pretty Mm -hmm. but she wasn't made up yeah like her makeup was very natural naturalistic uh her hair wasn't really fixed um she and so i guess that's why she wasn't doing pictures hmm. i i don't know i don't know why she wasn't offering pictures but that's what i like to do i like to get the little selfie yeah yeah uh or because uh last year was emma caulfield last year i don't know in the in the year before <laughs> was um christine sutherland you met one yes. year her yeah yeah so that was exciting so i I was really disappointed that rose wasn't doing pictures but Mm -hmm. i did get an an autograph awesome and and you you talked to her right i mean yes i talked to her i told her about the podcast she immediately knew what i was talking about (gasps) yes she's a listener uh, obviously i I, I don't know about that but she (laughs) thanked me for all that i did and that's what she wrote on the picture she she uh thanked me awesome that's awesome Um, (laughs) i'm so glad i'm so happy and and, you know you're so rushed because Mm -hmm. you feel like you don't have time to say anything i know i any one of those experiences it's almost you know i am terrible at that kind of thing 
you know, I try my best not to do this, but usually it comes out like you say, how are you? And the other person's like, good, how are you? And then you go, ah, how are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> or, you're or all it's nervous. Like everything I say is a very cliched yeah. thing that they hear all the time. We're so I'm excited fine. about the show. We love yeah. the show. We can't wait for the show to come back. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's not what she wants to hear. Right. But uh, you'd be like, listen, we did a we did a sweet. special Yellow Ranger episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I mean, did you did you shake her hand, give her a hug, uh, high five her? Uh, no. <laughs> did you stare at her a little too long? Like, did it no. make it awkward? No, nothing no, like that. No, I was about to run off because you know i feel like i'm taking up too much of her time yeah she you know everybody else wants to see her so yeah. I, then i got in Allie's line which uh-huh. was right next to her and Al, now Allie was i don't want to say made up more but mm-hmm. she looks like she does on television yeah like she you know she was there ready for pictures so mm-hmm. I, I got a picture made with her and wait, she wait, was frank, beautiful yeah frank huh? frank is listening so we you need to make sure you tell every single detail about Allie. Yes. Allie was very <laughs> sweet and uh I, t- I told her and i should have mentioned frank i told her how <laughs> happy we were that she was a series regular and she, yeah. was, she was too i told her that we we were always disappointed whenever peyton woodson on the episode <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, she told me my accent was sweet. You and your accent, like everybody loves your accent. I wish I had an accent. (laughs) And they (laughs) both asked uh, how far I came. Um, They were just very, very humble and appreciative that we came out. That seemed like, like I was, I watched videos of them signing autographs at uh, San Diego Comic Con and they just seemed genuinely like, Grateful to grateful, be there, yeah. yeah. And it's funny because you you know, you know you're like oh it's Hollywood or whatever you're on a big TV show. I, I can't imagine how like isolated you must feel being up in Vancouver for months on end working on this show like day in day out and you know not really being a part of the world <laughs> and yeah. then coming out of it and being like I hope they liked it. <laughs> well, and also you know if you think about how many actors. Are on very successful television shows, and then nothing else hits for them after mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So to be on a show that on a network, which the, you know the CW is very good to iZombie, but you know um, not a very very watched network. Right. They're just so happy to s- still be on the air. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think about like Ra- Raul, who has moved. From England over to, I mean, it, wherever is he in California or is he in, or has he settled in Vancouver? I, I I think he bounces back and forth. I'm assuming from I don't really El- know. You know, so you think I'm sure he's like if this, you know, after this, you know, what will my future hold? Will I go have to go back home? You know. Yeah. Yeah. So that was exciting meeting them, and then right after that was their first panel, or maybe it was their second panel. That, that's the difference between Dragon Con and San Diego Comic Con. Mm-hmm. San Diego Comic Con, you have one shot to see everybody, but at Dragon Con, they will have several panels. 
Yeah, I was on Twitter during the first panel and, you know, retweeting all the people that were tweeting things out uh, about what was going on just to keep uh, our listeners informed, you know. Uh, and, uh, and you know, you were texting me during that. Um, and uh, so, like, and the, the next day somebody's like, oh, it's, you know, one more hour to the iZombie panel. I'm like, dude, you, that was yesterday. Nope. <laughs> yeah, there's So several. you went to the first one. I assume there could have been one on Friday. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think so because you know, uh, you know, this actually goes back to and and sorry, I don't mean to go like inside baseball or or Hollywood gossip guy or whatever, but uh, I do remember Rose tweeting out that um, uh, uh, she was like stuck at the airport or something. Something had gone down at the airport where she couldn't get to Atlanta. Uh, at, at the time that she thought she was going to, so that might have also had something to do with uh, the fact that she wasn't taking pictures. She might have been like exhausted or whatever, and you know that, mm. uh, that's just me supposing <laughs> that mm-hmm. no fact in that whatsoever. I'm just that's my eye zombie theory of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and then Saturday night they ate dinner out in Marietta. Oh, okay. Like they got they went away from the con to go mm-hmm. eat. Because she highly recommended some gastro pub out in. Oh Marietta. yeah, that's right. I saw that tweet. I was thinking about like sending you a message, like go get, go find it. I know where is that place? <laughs> where okay. is my car? I don't know. I don't know how to get there. All right. So uh, I mean, before we get into what you learned at the panel, I mean, did you see any? How how is the cosplay there? Did you see any eye zombie? Well, at the panel, you know, she was really excited. Rose was excited to have people cosplay as Liv, and she had <laughs> all of them stand up. Oh, nice. But I didn't really see – I didn't get a good look at all of the cosplayers. Oh. And I really didn't see any um, out and about, but I did see a Gwen. Oh, Nice. Mm-hmm. Gwen Dillon, of course, the star of the iZombie comic. Mm-hmm. In case anybody doesn't know, yeah. <laughs> read the comic. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I didn't panel. see any cosplayers. Uh, the panel. Okay. <clears throat> Let's see. It was it was very entertaining. You know, sometimes you get. Uh, sometimes you get uh, panelists who don't really know what they're – they don't really know what to expect, mm-hmm. but they all put on a good show yeah. for us. They, they knew what we were there to uh, – That's awesome. Yeah. Like, they're like, why am I here? You, they're, you know, some are like that, but these guys, they never seem to be like that whenever I watch well, any panels online. Yeah, and David, oh my gosh, is hilarious. <laughs> he could just – he could put on a – a one man. He's a. He is a lot. You know, they make comparisons to Spock. That oh. you know all the time. And he yeah. is like James DeMarster. He knows. He he just has a a, a fun personality. Mm-hmm. Did all he right, do any so, singing? Oh, of course. Yeah. Didn't he? Did he? I'm sure he did. Hold on. <laughs> I don't know. Let me get my notes out. Get your notes out. Sorry. They asked. Uh, oh, they asked the panelists, uh, and you know, I'll, I'll, this is what's different. 
at Dragon Con than at San Diego. San Diego, everybody has a a presentation. Mm-hmm. Well, at Dragon Con, they don't. They it's mainly a Q and A. Yeah. And hopefully, you get good uh, questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, instead of what was it like that yeah. time that you filmed this scene? And, Why'd you kill or, Lowell? <laughs> yeah, or uh, you know, a fan trying to sh- show that they are smarter than everybody else. Uh, anyway, so they asked Rose and uh, and Allie what they what they liked about what was the best part, was their favorite part mm-hmm. of. Anyway, so Rose was saying that she likes the variety, which is a good thing because right. that's, yep. that's what she gets. Uh, yeah, she gets to play and, a different personality every week. Uh huh, and the, and she was also you know humble, thanked everybody for coming out to see them. Mm-hmm. And Allie likes the comedy. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh oh, they she emailed Rob uh, Thomas. She pitched a bodybuilder's brain that she wants to see. Uh, her or major on a CrossFit a CrossFitter's <laughs> brain. Nice. Yeah, she said frat boy was the easiest. I think we've heard that before. That frat mm-hmm. boy would just came very easy to her. Yeah, and that the old the uh, the hateful um, grumpy old live grumpy old man, that was her least favorite. Yeah. And she's and she talked a lot about and this must be her method is being empathetic and seeing where everybody comes from and the uh, most. Uh, brains. It was easy to see where they were coming from, but Grumpy Old Man was was the hardest. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, they said that somebody asked or made the comment that they enjoy seeing Peyton and live together as best friends, and asked how did Allie uh, go? How did she? How is it that she does such a good job as being, you know, and Allie talked about how she and Rose have known each other since they were 19. Huh. That Rose worked with AJ. Oh, her sister. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what, um, but uh, yeah, they've known each other for a long time. And so they're like work best friends. They, uh, they get along really well. And Allie says that she imagines that her sister was a zombie, and that's how she imagined she would be if her sister was a zombie. <laughs> she, her sister would be like Rose? Yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I wonder oh. if AJ will ever guest on iZombie. She's got it, right? I mean, once her stint at the Goldbergs ends, if that unless that keeps going on. I don't know, but I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy McCoven, Wendy McCullough Coven, is that her name? I, I you got me. She's fantastic, and <laughs> she's like every. She's like I feel like I'm such a Beverly Goldberg. <laughs> uh, oh, um, somebody asked what they would do if zombies were real, and uh, uh, Rose said, "I believe that I would try to empathize with them." <laughs> <laughs> she said I would empathize with them so much That I would be eaten <laughs> <laughs> You don't really mean to do this Come here 
<laughs> oh, and then somebody went to, had went to high school with with um, what's Malcolm's name? Clive. Cl- uh, Malcolm. Malcolm Goodwin. Goodwin. Yeah. What's Malcolm's yeah, somebody- name? Malcolm's name is Malcolm. Oh, like Malcolm, what? <laughs> Malcolm. Anyway, somebody went to high school with Malcolm Goodwin and had a, his his yearbook picture on their phone and went and showed them. And they loved, they laughed so much. They said that he is just the coolest. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, thinking about that. Uh, we've had uh, a bunch of people on the podcast, and now you've met Rose and Allie. So I think the only last... The last uh, touchstone we have to hit before this podcast ends is uh, Malcolm Goodwin. We have to either have him on the podcast or one of us has to meet him. <laughs> uh, that would be great. I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer. Okay. Uh, uh, oh, they, hashtag bring back Malcolm's turtleneck. They want, to, they want Malcolm back in his turtleneck. You know, early nice. on, he wore tur- turtlenecks. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. The whole shaft thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, somebody asked who their dream. See, this is when it gets kind of, you know, yeah. obnoxious. Uh, who their dream guest stars would be. And so uh, somebody said Ellen Burstyn or Daniel Day Lewis. Oh, David said Ellen Burstyn or Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> Allie said Meryl Streep or Bill Murray. <laughs> <laughs> and Rose said Flight of the Concords or Lucy Lawless or uh Reese Darby. Oh my god. And then they started talking about how how all the New Zealanders and all the Australians in Hollywood know each other. Awesome. <laughs> 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 oh, I would love it. I I I would love to see uh, hear, hear reports from the I Zombie set of Daniel Day Lewis uh, going completely method zombie acting. Uh, I mean, they should have. I mean, I don't know. They should have been more realistic. These were basically they just listed their favorite actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've heard Rose say that she wants Bill Murray to be on the show before. So, yeah. Um. Somebody asked David what makes Blaine tick, and he said his terrible childhood, that he grew up rich but was very poor. (laughs) Yeah, he did have a terrible nanny and an evil daddy. So. And then, uh, like, early on, she said, you everything goes so fast in the beginning. It gets picked up, and you just, it's just go, 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 go. She said, early on, uh, Buckley... She, uh, Rose and Buckley had a scene they were filming and it was a dramatic scene they were about to kiss or something and he called Liv Liz <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you don't remember the main character's name is it is a problem <laughs> yeah. Liz David cursed oh I think that's one of these things where <laughs> Uh, they're on the panel and they get to cutting up and they get real loose and they start cussing and then they see on the back of their uh, name plate it'll say uh, you know, oh, yeah. be careful you might be on Dragon Con TV yep <laughs> uh, oh yeah oh David cursed 
David was mad because they're not doing musical episode. <laughs> the Flash is Flash and Arrow are doing musical episodes. <sighs> yep. Flash and Arrow get everything, don't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mostly Flash though. <laughs> we'll yeah, get it. We'll get it. Uh, David said uh, that Buckley was the reason they were not doing a musical episode. Right. Yeah. And he he said, well, he's got abs. Can't he just like <laughs> flash his abs? Yeah. I, I did see a tweet either from David or from somebody talking about David saying that basically Blaine was going to sing in like every single episode this next yes. season. <laughs> yes. Um. So that kind of makes oh, up for it. <laughs> yeah. Raul, oh, the strip club scene. Raul volunteered to get up early and bring bring everybody coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David enjoyed the film in the scene where him and Raul uh, 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 rolled around the lab. Yeah, the Friday I'm in love uh, fight. Yeah. <laughs> Over uh, the care. David said he enjoyed it because Ro is not athletic at all. And they had stunt butts. Uh, is Do you need to present a certain sort of butt on TV? Like, what is wrong with just a regular... I don't know. Is it a vanity uh, thing or is it like, oh, the network will not... And I don't think that it was not aired. It was just filmed. Or, and I don't understand why there were butts filmed. <laughs> Were they naked? No, they were fully clothed. I thought they were. That was your dream. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think they asked uh, who they wanted to be turned into a, a zombie next, and they said Jimmy the sketch artist. They love him. They want, they keep trying to find reasons for him yeah. to come back, and they want him to be scratched. Yeah, and he's David, funny. Uh, yeah, and David wanted to leave because it was time for the ducks to kick off. Go Ducks. Uh, oh, oh a, a, a sports team of some sort? Yes, the Oregon Ducks. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, they started talking about uh, Alias and yes. Vampire Diaries and yes. Once Upon a Time. And yes. uh, David said that he's, uh, he's Johnny Genre. And he said, Johnny that's okay. Genre. He'd rather be Johnny Genre than Johnny Police Procedural. <laughs> yeah, since we last talked, I, I binged through uh, Once Upon a Time and watched all of it. And uh, yeah, both uh, Rose and David are great in the show. Um, I, I can see why there's many people who are like upset that they're not on the show anymore, you know. You know, once fans that may, may be upset about that. But I do hope that we have more. Um, once guest stars on iZombie, you know. Mm-hmm. But that was really weird. His name was Dr. Whale. Dr. Whale. But um, he ended up being Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. And, Why Whale? Uh, I believe it's because, uh, you, well, you know, the curse. Whale is the. The curse you had to get. You got normal names when you were cursed, right? Okay. But um, it's it's a homage to. Um, the director? The director of the original Frankenstein. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny. The he David Anders uh, guest starred last season on Once Upon a Time for this episode where uh, the Wicked Witch was having a baby. 
Um, and, uh, of course, uh, Jen Morrison was playing, uh, uh, dark Emma who, because she had gone dark, she, um, her hair turned white, but, uh, so Dr. Whale was there, um, helping delivering the wicked witch's baby. And someone noted like, Hey, what happened to your hair? And he says like, Oh, she can dye her hair and nobody has a problem with it. But when I do, (laughs) Oh, his hair's white. His hair's white for uh, iZombie. Oh. So, uh, sorry once fans if I'm like several months behind that uh, funny note, but I I got it now. (laughs) So, anyway. Oh, they asked uh, whose brain they wanted to eat. Uh, Oh, yeah, they got that that question all the time. Yep. And um, uh, he said he figures Blaine would want to eat Robert Plants, but he would want to eat Justin Bieber's because he wants to know what's going on in there. And also he'd be dead. (laughs) So he's a big fan of Bieber. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They said the love. Okay, coming up for the season, the love triangle continues between. Yeah, between Peyton and Ravi and Blaine. So I'm excited about that. And it's the Peyton CW, said, of course. Yeah, Peyton said that <laughs> she brings out the bad behavior in Blaine. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that might be interesting, you know, um, uh, because, you know, Blaine will be getting jealous, perhaps, of. Of Ravi, but uh, you know, Ali fans can be very happy that there is a love triangle because that means there are now two chances for her to be <laughs> in more scenes. You know, yeah. she's mm-hmm. either with Ravi or, or Blaine, and then of course uh, with Liv. So, uh, death breath. They talked about the uh, the consultant who. Um, was really funny and a lot of fun that, uh, you know, instructed them on the different props and uh, educated them on what goes on in the morgue. And Hmm. um, something about Ravi, uh, Raul was doing something with a ruler, like putting it in his mouth. And she had brought that ruler with with her from her morgue (laughs) and said that it was not a good idea to put that in. So because he put the ruler in his mouth, he might have death breath. Yes. Uh, oh, look up season one, episode eight, because Malcolm's hair. Malcolm is very peculiar about his hair. He only goes to certain uh, barber shops. And there was an accident where somebody had said something funny in the barber shop. And I guess he got scalped or something. So we need to look up. What? Uh, yeah, his, his hair like completely changed from one episode to another because <laughs> he had a mishap in the barber shop. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. And something eight. about yeah. Rose was she's in the text, the chain, uh, the the group text for certain things, but she was left out of the hair. This is take this out. This is not making any sense. <laughs> I'm not taking anything out. I'm lazy. Uh, no, I, I, I'll, I, I'll I'll fill this in by saying episode eight was dead air. Okay. Um, we actually had a, a writer Ayana White on for that 
for that episode. Oh, so, okay. uh, so we need to go back and rewatch uh, episode eight, Dead Air, um, and watch uh, Clive's hair, or maybe watch seven and then eight and see the progression. Yes, <laughs> see the difference. <laughs> uh, and then someone, oh my, my favorite question. Okay. Uh, a a a questioner asked, um, you know, compared I Zombie to Buffy. With the with tackling social issues, mm-hmm. what issues do they want to cover next? And they all said that having the deaf actor on was very special. It was exciting, mm-hmm. and that Allie wants an LGB, LGBT character that's not exploitative. Right. Yeah, just a regular old person who just happens to have a, a different sexual preference. Yeah. Yeah, and David wants to get out of there and watch the ducks. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun. They were That's they cool. were hilarious. That's cool. All right, do you have anything more to uh, report from Dragon Con? Then the next day was our fan panel. Okay, hold on a second. We do have to uh, talk about. Uh, I just have to insert something right here. Um, uh, we did have a little bit of feedback because there was a second iZombie panel with David and Allie and Rose, I believe all three oh, of them. Okay. Um, and a good friend of the show, Kevin Batchelder, was there. Um, and he actually uh, sent us a voicemail to tell us all about that panel. So uh, take it away, Kevin. Hey, everyone. It's Kevin Batchelder. I wanted to give you some thoughts on the Dragon Con Sunday iZombie panel with Rose and Allie and uh, David, since I got to attend that one along with the Saturday one that I know Steph was at, so she's got info from that one. Um, it was another excellent one, very similar, a lot of great fan questions. The three of them are great together. It really was one of my highlights of Con this year, uh, getting to see them a couple of times. So kind of a stream of consciousness here. I, was, I looked through my notes uh, from the uh, panel. Uh, David was wearing uh, very dark sunglasses, um, and, and you could tell he was moving a little slower uh, than on previous days or maybe the rest of the folks on the panel. And as he said, uh, he dubbed it uh, Sunglasses Sunday because uh, it was like a 10 a.m. panel, I think, or no, maybe 1130. But it was still fairly early. Uh, and so it, uh, he said he had just gotten up not long before the panel. So that's great. He must have had a great time at con like most of us. Um, he had also, I think on Saturday, dropped the F-bomb, I think at least once. And then on this panel fairly early, he did it again a couple of times, giving an answer on something. Um, and then he kind of tried to give a quick apology for doing that in case you know, in case there's any kids in the audience. And then as he's saying this, Allie, I think, tapped him on the shoulder and pointed to the fact there were like three uh, kids in the front row. So he felt really bad. You could see that. He stuck his head under the table for a couple of minutes. Uh, so that was fairly humorous. We did learn that uh, one of the brains Liv will be playing this season is uh, Dominatrix. Should be interesting there. Uh, Rose also mentioned that, again, she really enjoyed, had a lot of fun playing the horny librarian in the past season. She said it was, you know, along with doing it, it was also fun to create some awkward situations with the guys uh, on set. You know, so along with the actual... Uh, you know, part of doing it, it was just also to be able, since they're such good friends, kind of put them in some awkward spots, too. Um, Allie talked about one of the things when someone asked about what she loved about uh, Peyton, talking about scenes she loved. She said she thought uh, the way that Peyton took the news of Liz being a zombie was really well uh, scripted, and, and she really enjoyed playing that one. 
Uh, Rose uh, joked uh, when talking about, you know, getting into makeup uh, for the show, how, how the fact that it took even longer for her to get in the makeup to be the real person as she was in that one episode the past season. Rather than being the zombie, that's become old hat for them. There was even more work in just making her look like her usual self. Um, uh, David joked that at one point he got a chance to talk to James Marsters, uh, for those who don't know, Spike from Buffy, uh, with some hair tips on how they can uh, keep their different dues uh, to make it work. He said he got some great insights from him at one point during the con. They also are very proud of the fact that I think there's close to 30 shows that are shooting in Vancouver and that uh, folks really uh, are most interested in coming on their show as actors up in that area. So they're very proud of the uh, the group they have to work with there. And they all live very close together. They said they're in Vancouver. A couple of them said they can almost see each other from the balconies of their apartments uh, so they're not far apart. Um, they mentioned how there were some real challenges working with the dog, working with Minor. Uh, several times because apparently that uh, dog is fairly well endowed so depending upon some camera angles that caused some reshoots including some emotional scenes uh rose was saying how awkward that would be trying to go into an emotional scene and then realize that they were going to have to cut and reshoot uh, they said one of the things coming up this season is going to be live and major on a uh, father and daughter brain set but major is going to be one with the daughter brain so that's going to make for some interesting stuff uh, when they were asked about what was maybe one of the weirdest things they've had to do on the show, uh, David mentioned uh, that being buried alive for that scene where he comes up out of the ground after being killed was very weird for him. Uh, Rose thought what was weird for her was a couple of episodes where she's had to cling to cars, either on top of them, like in the pilot, or in that superhero up where she was underneath uh, the, I think it was the truck. Uh, she also mentioned that the episode um, that she had great fun with, uh, the uh, frat boy one, where she was in that caution tape dress, that it was just a total sweatsuit, uh, the way it was in there. She was just sweating to death in that, and also she couldn't move very well. Um, you know, trying to go to the bathroom was almost impossible, and she couldn't sit down. So while it did look good on screen, it certainly wasn't easy to do. Uh, she said she would love to see them be able to do a crossover with some other show, whatever it might be, DC Universe or something. She thought that would be a lot of fun. Um, they've also told her that after what's happened with uh, Liv's boyfriends so far, that they've promised her, the writers have, that they're not going to kill off her next one. Whether it might leave the show or how long it might last, they don't know, but they've promised they won't kill it off and that she will actually be getting one this season. Uh, also, hopefully you've seen some of the pictures, maybe Facebook or Twitter. Uh, there were a couple of cosplayers, uh, look like a husband and wife or a boyfriend-girlfriend, who were as Blaine and Liv, and they are really well done, but they actually had a young child, so... Uh, the guy who was cosplaying as Bane, excuse me, Blaine, had, you know, a baby carrier. And that uh, David Andrews just uh, was taken aback in the sense of seeing Blaine with a baby. He just was scared about that. So they had them come up on stage. Uh, I think I posted one of the photos in the Facebook group about that. But that they had a lot of fun with that. And uh, Rose really loved holding the baby and didn't want to give it back. So it was a lot of fun. Uh, hopefully there's some quick thoughts uh, and you folks enjoyed it. Uh, looking forward to your podcast. It was great to see Steph at the con. Uh, being together on the iZombie uh, fan panel was fun again. So it's always great to see you, Steph, there. So I hope everybody takes care. Okay, thanks a lot for that, Kevin. Um, appreciate you uh, sending in that uh, bit of uh, reporting from the front lines. <laughs> uh, and folks, just make sure to check out uh, his uh, Winona Earp uh, fan podcast. Uh, it's called Tales of the Black Badge. 
And, uh, yeah, they've had a lot of success over there over uh, the first season of Winona Earp on uh, Sci-Fi. And they're now getting a second season. And uh, uh, just very happy for uh, Kevin and uh, his co-host, which I'm forgetting her name, but uh, she's really nice, too. <laughs> so uh, check out Tales of the Black Badge. And thanks a lot, Kevin, for sending that. We also had another uh, recording sent in from Kevin, which uh, you were a part of, weren't you, Steph? Yeah, that Sunday night, I was exhausted. <laughs> it was the end of the con. Oh, my gosh, what a day. Um, we had our fan uh, panel, which is a lot of fun because even though I'm up there on the panel and I'm scared to death that I'm nervous because I don't speak in front of I like, I like what am I doing recording a podcast? I can't even talk. But anyway, <laughs> I'm usually so nervous, but it's just – we're mainly we're up there to facilitate the conversation mm-hmm. with with the with the audience, and so um, so it was a uh, great conversation. Did Raul didn't call in this year? No, <laughs> I, I checked his tweets. I think he was at home with his oh with yeah his, his lady friend and his mom because <laughs> he was worried what his mom and his lady friend were talking about when he left the room. <laughs> I love his Twitter. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, so uh, I'll go ahead and play that. Uh, any anything else you want to say uh, before we go, Steph? Uh, nope. How much longer do we have to wait before <sighs> the next season? Oh gosh, well there hasn't been a premiere date announced yet, but I'm hoping January. Um, it, I, I was actually looking back uh, the last couple of years of when. Uh, the CW has announced the premiere date of their winter season uh, shows. Mm-hmm. And it usually uh, the news comes out around end of November, beginning of December. So we just got to wait till then to find out when it's actually starting. Wait, when? The the premiere date is going to be announced at the end of November to beginning of December. I'm not saying the premiere <sighs> date is. <laughs> that, that's like, okay. Yeah. That just seems really late. Oh, well, that's how it's been the last couple of years. So I'm just assuming the the same thing's going to happen this year. Um, but uh, yeah, pretty soon we're going to fire the podcast feed up again. We're going to binge watch Hellcats together, and uh, to celebrate the lovely Allie being a uh, a regular cast member on iZombie. So that that should be fun. We're going to watch like four (laughs) episodes at a time and then talk about those four episodes. And they're all available on the CW seed. I think that's the only place they're available. Really? I don't, maybe they're on Hulu. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll let you know uh, when we get started with that. And, uh, yeah, if there's any more news, we'll, we'll be sure to let you know. Stay tuned to our, um, our website, which is iZombiePodcast.com. Um, our Twitter feed, which is, at iZombie Podcast, and uh, of course, uh, check out check us out on Facebook. Uh, just look for iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Uh, any other ones that say iZombie Podcast are not us. Um, and that that's about it. All the links are actually on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. And uh, you can hear all that at the end of the podcast anyway. I don't know why I'm saying this. But um, we had this awesome fan panel last year, and I and we've they let us uh, share it again this year. And, uh, of course, make sure to listen for a uh, uh, quiet Alabaman uh, chiming in every once in a while. <laughs> Here you go. 
Good evening, and thank you for coming tonight. How many of you have been able to come to any of the iZombie cast panels? Good time. I got a kick out of um, Rose not wanting to give the baby, or pretending she didn't yes. want to give the baby back. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, how many of you came to our iZombie fan panel last year? Oh, okay. awesome. We had our own excitement that year, didn't our last year. But in any case, thank you for coming back again. We, we appreciate you being here. And before we get into how we're going to do the panel, I wanted to tell you about um, the, what we're doing, our competition. Anybody remember from last year our competition, the, the Battle of the UF Track Show fandoms? Well, we're doing it again. And I don't know what the current the current winner is Lucifer. They're okay. That's right. Today. We said that. We said that. So this is as of last night. Lucifer pushed ahead. Um, so if you really want to show support for iZombie and you have a little bit that you'd like to contribute to, to this year's Dragon Con charity, that's how we're doing it. Uh, just some, kind of, some, some fun we're having with the 12 shows that we cover here on the track. So um, that is all set up there in the back, and you can do that if you're so inclined. The, the charity this year is the Atlanta Center for Self-Sufficiency, which helps homeless people get back on their feet, get some employment. It has a really high success rate of about 75%. So we're very pleased to be working with them. And as far as the panel goes... <laughs> What we're going to do is what we've done in the past. I have some questions that I will raise for the panel, and then we will get your input as well. And we'll well, there will be time that you will be able to bring up some, some ideas that you would like to discuss too. This panel doesn't have a particular theme. I have a couple of things that I would like specifically to talk about, but it's mainly a, you know, a season two overview and if anybody who's been to the panels wants to talk about it, has everybody on the panel, all the panels, have you been to at least one of the cast panels? Yes. Yes. No. Um, Derek's scheduled me against them. Okay. I was scheduled somewhere else as well. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so, uh, so half yes, half no. <laughs> <laughs> and don't we feel sorry for the ones who didn't get to come? Yeah, it was too bad. Um, so hopefully, hopefully everybody had a good time and gave those panels a good uh, rating in the app so that we can get them back again next year. But I, I think they had a good time. Um, in any case, we will have plenty of time to see what you guys might like to talk about, and of course you guys as well. One of the things that kept striking me was when, you know, there's all this stuff going on with Major doing what he was doing behind the scenes, and well, it wasn't behind. It was in front of the on the screen, but I mean, it was stuff that nobody knew about except, you know, the the Vaughn and uh, Rita, and I guess the doctor knew and stuff like that. And when when Blaine is being questioned for all of for all of this stuff, it was like. You know, you're you're kind of on the edge of your seat. No, no, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. And I caught myself thinking, what on earth is wrong with me? Why do I like this character enough 
that it's like, okay, he did a lot of terrible things, but he didn't do those. You know, and I... What? What? <laughs> <laughs> Sir? So I'm just kind of curious about, about you guys' reaction. Why do you think it is that we like Blaine so much? And if, and if you don't like him, then you can say why you don't, but maybe you can help me with my problem. I don't know. <laughs> But that it, I mean, seriously, I thought it was kind of interesting that, that he's just such a such a likable character in spite of all the stuff he's done. Go ahead. Oh, um, I I don't like Blaine. Okay. <laughs> I don't like Blaine. Um, Camp no love. I I don't. Sorry. Um, I was, I, I guess I was seeing it uh, a little bit on our, our panel this morning, that the, the sort of lovable rogue character is not a character that I enjoy because they're still jerks, and I don't like jerks. Well, I would agree with that in season one, but I think in season two, right, exactly, the place yeah. where he changed was when they introduced his father, so, you know, a bad guy always has a worse dad, so that's created, you know, he had reasons then for being a broken person. Um, but also once he got his humanity back, he you saw a different side of his personality and I think is a true part of his personality where he was like, what do you mean? You know, the whole thing with him in the in the funeral home, not understanding what was going on in the basement. Oh, I know. Was I know comedy gold, yeah. but it was also a different layer to that character that to me felt Truthful. It, it felt like that was also part of his character. So, I definitely like Blaine, and I totally ship him and Peyton for sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent point. So maybe I'll amend it and I say I don't like his act that yeah, he puts on. Yeah. I don't like his veneer. Well, I mean, he's embraced crime, and I'm going to be curious if he decides that he's going to choose another way to get al along in the world. Right, right. He yeah. hasn't done that yet. Uh, he's right? very he, much he's spike. very spike. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, for me, I appreciate David Anders and the yeah. way he plays the character uh, quite a bit. I mean, so that that makes it just kind of fun to watch him on screen. Um, I do follow Sue's point, though. I mean, it's not like he's a good guy, and I want to see him since I do get very attached to all these characters. Have him do some of the things he's done to live and everybody else. But I think I appreciate David Anders playing it and. Uh, it's just from a, someone who watches a lot of TV shows. There aren't that many actors that really can really hold it as well as I think he does. Yeah. Well, yeah, he gets to see the scenery a lot. Yeah. And I can tell that that's something he really, uh, that's really something he really wants to do. Um, and, you know, just the, the, the things that he's gotten into this, this season where he was buried alive, wakes up, uh, has a loss of memory, uh, has that incredibly memorable scene where he's pretending to that that's been like 30, 40 years have gone by, and they're you know it's like uh, <laughs> he's gotten very old and everything in front of his dad. So um, he's just become like a in a show that has the comedy edge to it. He's even more the comic relief and the villain, but he's no he's no longer like the the main villain. He's kind of it very much. Uh, it's it's hard to not compare him to Spike, but it's very much mm -hmm. taking on that role. I kind of liked him in the first season because I'm, I, I'm a big I, because he was so good at what he did and he knew what he was doing even when he was doing more awful things. But toward, toward, I think it was at the, toward the end of that first season where when he kills his grandfather 
That was like the first glimmer of humanity you saw from him. Because he, di he didn't want to kill his grandfather, except that he knew his grandfather wasn't really there anymore and wasn't really himself. And he was so just, just twisted over his father. He wanted his father to understand that pain and to see what that was. And this was a way he could actually show him and give it to him. And he, and he sits and thinks about it in the room, and he, he, he sits and kind of has his last moments with him. And that, that was really the first, I think, or the first that I recall, the first really strong glimmer of humanity you saw from him. And when it doesn't work, it, like, you, you just, like, felt it for him. Like, man, he, that, that was like a real sacrifice that he actually made, trying to make a solid point to someone who really needed a lesson, and it didn't work. And it's the first time what he wanted to do didn't work. And then in the second season, you see him falter. And, and that got really interesting to me, where, where like, the, the super confident character who's kind of like, well, he's, he's your spike, you know? And then in the second season, he's like, it, it, he has lost his footing, and he doesn't have much in the way of a grounding influence. And Liv, who doesn't like him, is really the closest thing to a friend and a confidant that he has. Right. And it, that is an interesting uh, dynamic for, for him. And I just, I... I and miss the scenery cheering. Every now and again, I'm like, oh, I think there's a little corner over there you missed. <laughs> <laughs> Turn around, look at Cap over again. But uh, he's, he's a really wonderful actor. But it, it's, it, you know what it made me think of? Okay, how many of you here have seen Justified? Okay, so you know, like, it was based originally on a short story called Fire in the Hole. Mm -hmm. And Boyd Crowder was supposed to die, like, within Boy, a couple of yeah. seasons, right? Yeah. No, when I first, see, I watched it late. I have family in Kentucky, and I thought, you know, I have better things to do with my time than watch Hollywood make fun of Appalachia for an hour every week. But Walter Goggins, right? Mm -hmm. So I find that the, the show was like two or three seasons deep by the time I started watching it. My husband and I caught an episode, and we sat at the end of it like, huh. And by the end of the season, we were like, huh. <laughs> and the huh was, you know, if you had told me at the end of episode one that I would be rooting for the white supremacist who blows up black churches with a bazooka, I'd have been like, no. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. But, you know, but, but the character is so compelling. And, and as you get to know him, you get to see why he is what he is and how he's really just kind of floundering for something to plant himself on. And, and I, I, you're seeing this with Blaine where this is a very charismatic character who's gotten a very long way by being very smart and very charismatic. And uh, even the bad things he does make sense contextually, so you forgive him for it a little bit. Right. And there's also the old psychological trick that they've been doing, that everybody's been doing. Lord, Mary Shelley really got a good grip on it. If you really want to attach somebody to a bad character, make the audience feel a tiny bit sorry for them. Mm -hmm. It's that psychological trick that draws you closer whether you want to or not. When, when there's some, an element of pathos to it, you know, Frankenstein by the pond, Dracula putting away his own dishes and hoping Harker doesn't see him. Yeah, it, little things like you feel sorry for these monsters, and it makes you, it, it, it lends you that little element of, of closeness. So I'm going to stop talking right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, wait, you have one? Well, that's yeah. okay. <laughs> I don't know because I'm with you, Carol. <laughs> because you're what? I'm with you. I don't know why we like him so much. Uh, we just like the bad guy, and, uh, and, it, and the actor is doing a great job, and the writing <coughs> is really good because, like, um, Like a <laughs> I'm sorry, I gave her some rum. It's my fault. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I don't remember words anymore. Like, um, Rose said yesterday, she just quickly said that this season we'll see that the uh, writers are given a lot of reasons for Liv and Blaine to have to uh, deal with each other, but in a really entertaining way, and give reasons why... Um, 
they should work together, get along, but still um, have conflict between them. So it's the, the writing, and I think it's a combination of the writing that actor. And we just oh, like, yeah. We yeah, just like Megan. Yeah. yeah. I agree <laughs> with you. It's both. Okay. So, so most of it is your writer's room, and then David's ability to pull off the character in and of itself. Um, I always attach things pretty much from that standpoint of what's going on in here. Um, every bad guy that you know of has some, well, not every, but most of them. Shit, Hitler had Ava Braun, right? And I, and I say that as a, everybody's got something that they care about. Every bad guy you've ever seen written on TV has some, with the exception of a few, there's some immoral characters that are total sociopaths. But most people had motivation, I'm sorry, your average white supremacist, your average drug dealer, your average Tony Soprano, whoever. <laughs> your average Tony Soprano. But they all have families of some sort. Whether it's their gang, whether it's a close relative, whether it's a child. Or pet. Or pet. Something. John Wick came out of retirement is, is a bad guy, right? He's not a good guy. Right? Over a dog. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You killed his dog and you snapped. I was like, you and me, we understand each other. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, 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 Burn I mean, it to the ground. There's a little bit of, like, bad guy in everybody, and I believe that. And some people embrace it more than others. Some people don't. They, you know, I go to a family reunion or I go to friends' dinners, and it's like, hmm, you've been to prison. Right? Are you a bad guy? You've done some bad things. Right. Right? Not only but I also know some really cool guys that, guess what, did time in prison, got out, turned it around, own local businesses here in Atlanta, and have families and what have you, and don't want to go back to that. Right? With Blaine, it's like, eh, you're a bad guy. Cool. I like Blaine when Blaine's reveling in the bad guy. I don't really need him to have some form of redemptive arc. Right? I enjoy him being the bad guy. First season Blaine was great. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to apply everything I know about this criminal element and apply it to brains. And it works for me. Right? He is the Walter White of brains. Everybody loves Breaking Bad. I'm like, Walter White's a crappy individual. Terrible role model. Right. But it's the same with Blaine. Blaine's Awesome, right? Most of the guys that hang out with Blaine actually enjoy hanging out with Blaine when Blaine's not, look, if you don't, I'm going to shoot you. That's a whole different thing. But he's got loyal guys. Well, I, I disagree with you, though, that, that by having some kind of a, not necessarily a redemptive characteristic, but some kind of a humanizing one doesn't make him more appealing. Because I think if you have a villain that is a complete villain, that they have nothing about them that anyone can empathize with, even if it's just a bit, even if you're not rooting for them, they become a caricature. And it's just not, they're just not that interesting anymore. I don't know. I like Those his are the dad. villains I love. <laughs> I liked his dad a lot, and I really wish he'd stay well, more, but... I, li I liked him being in there. 
you liked him? No, 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 no. I mean, I didn't, that's not the way I feel about. It. I thought <laughs> the guy was, I thought Robert Pepper was great. Mm-hmm. And talk about scenery chewing. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I I think that that he served a great purpose. But he's not somebody I would want to watch all the time. It would be too uncomfortable. But you know, to have him in there the way he's been used, I think I think is pretty awesome. And. <laughs> I just realized I want to get you guys' take on that, and then I'm going to actually have my panelists introduce themselves. To <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but I thought, I thought we were just with the regulars. Everybody knows yeah. it. Yeah, we're talking about that. Yeah. And um, that is on me, and I apologize. It's been, it's been a very, a, a wonderful but very long days. And, um, anyway, so but. But yeah, do you guys have any? Uh, do you have? Do you, can can anybody help me understand? No, I'm just kidding. I mean, I do <laughs> understand it a little bit. Yes. Blaine is the anti-hero. He, he is, is not yeah. a hero. He is not a villain. He is the anti-hero. He's not a good guy. He's a bad-ish guy. Yeah. But you still like him because there is potential for him to become a hero. There is potential. I think, yeah, and the interesting thing about his dad bringing him in is he recontextualizes him because you've only seen him from this one angle. And now you see him as basically a battered little kid, even though he, you know, he was the big bad in season one. And, and that, that's a really interesting thing when writers can do that. Um, something that was not a good movie but did that well was uh, the Wolverine Origins movie because, like, he's mm. the biggest, baddest Marvel character ever and somebody's little brother. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, but yeah, so you kind of get that recontextualized a little bit and you get a little more of a 3D picture of them. So I think that's that was the most useful thing his dad did. And murder's not bad ish. <laughs> you can't put that in the ish category. Even Hitler did not believe he was the villain. Well, that's a different story. I think the prevalence of the anti-hero lately in media is what kind of turns me off to that that character right now. Because I, I feel like there are so many of them. We're inundated with them. That, but but for for me personally, and coming, I think from uh, I, I was a theater kid, so I, I always think about like my my favorite characters are often the characters that I want to portray, and I will take a, a truly evil villain over in an anti-hero any day because they're more fun. Well, and I would argue that in the first season, he was a villain. He yeah. was because he actually killed live human beings to wrench the brains from their heads right. to feed them yes. to zombies. Yes, that's and that is horrifying. <laughs> that's horrifying. Capitalism. But it's, it's yeah. productive, <laughs> bad guy stuff. But now, you know, now he's yeah. like, well, okay, well, I can, I yeah. can run this other business, and I can still get the brains, and I can still sell them at a profit. Sure, he's a businessman, but at least he's not murdering people that we know of. We're going to start here and go around, okay? Yeah. Yes, right here. Solve the problem. I, want to say, Thank you. I actually really agree with you about uh, about Blaine. He is, he is straight up a villain. I don't like that they're kind of taking him away from that because he is such a good villain. And I like that they give him more depth. I like having those moments of, oh, I understand, but you're still terrible. Because <laughs> um, when you start to take him toward the hero, anti-hero, I think, that, I think it makes the character a little bit... Well, what I'm hoping is, 
like what I'm hoping is like because they're making him work for it in the second season. Like and everybody but him remembers what a horrible person he is. Yeah. So he has to work for it, and I want to see him come out even like okay. Well, boy, you thought I was bad in season one. Yeah. Now I have had to build yeah. myself into like this. I want that aha uh-huh right? moment of remembering who he is and going. Well, why am I putting up with Wait, this I, nonsense? I am not anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm a real I want him good. to have the redemption thing. I want him to become an even bigger, better, badder villain, something more to contend with. He will. Exactly. That's what I uh, even, even more so than uh, <laughs> Max Breaker. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, uh, yes. Right here. So one thing about him, uh, I think one of the reasons you like him so much is that he's funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, they right. want to be careful because. If you're going to go with a redemptive arc, they have to be careful if they want to keep him a villain or give him, you know, okay, here's here's a little sympathy, here's a little smoothing of that edge, and then crank him up to, okay, now now he's ready to rock. He's got to be, they've got to be careful not to do what the, what the heroes people did to Siler. Siler needed to be absolutely horrific, and they, they, they watered him down to the point where, oh, no, he's not really eating people. It's like, no. You've really got to double down on it. Not, not, not he eats soft. more people. Actually, <laughs> not I liked him better soft. when he was. Yeah, when he was. He can be soft. soft. He can be given a human touch and a sympathetic, uh, a bit of a sympathetic vibe, but they can still take that and make him, you know, the, the villain you almost you know root for. Like and I think they're good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, burn it down. That's what I say for Magneto. <laughs> take it all. Take it all. Okay, but you had your hand up before. Who had their hand up there? It was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, uh, was it you? Okay, well, we've already, somebody said it. There are lights in our eyes over here. We're really sorry. Okay. <laughs> I think they, I'm glad that they are kind of giving him this almost sub-villainous role this season because I, I don't think they should end up running the character in the ground, especially when you had two other more villains that equal up or more of a jackass than Blaine ever thought he could be. But I think going back to that Spike analogy, you look at what they did with Spike in season four of Buffy, where he was basically the B team villain with Adam. I think that's a good, a good way to bring him back up. I mean, in season three, you know, we're probably going to have the, the military outfit with the the big bad. So, you know, why not give it Blaine another season to continue growing the criminal empire, potentially for set up for season four? Yes. Share a question there. Um, I think why we like Blake would change the point of view. In the first in the first season, mm-hmm. point of view was from Leaf perspective, mm-hmm. and from Leaf perspective, he's a villain. Um, at some point in season two, we changed the the point of view over a plain viewer showing, and it's immediately become we immediately become attached to that because. Like in the Walking Dead universe, mm-hmm. the Rick is our point of view in the story, and because he's our point of view of the story, whatever he's doing is excusable. Uh, it's it's any any other character in the show in the again Walking Dead universe would do the same thing, and we would say he's a total villain, right? Here's the same problem where we, if we're looking from his point of view, he himself is not considering himself a villain. Mm-hmm. Internally, he is not a villain, and any good villain internally is not a villain. He's doing the right thing. Well, but you know, he knew that he was doing things wrong, like the, you know, hiding out 
And he was hiding his business, though. You know, in, in season one, he was. You know, uh, what about that scene where um, when Clive comes to 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 question him, and he's got you see, and, and what's her name? I don't I don't know that we ever knew her name. The woman zombie that worked in the kid that was the cook. Yeah, and she's standing there with an axe or whatever. And it's like if Clive comes back, that's the end of it. I mean, and I mean that was. Of course, we don't think that it's actually going to happen, but they still played it up pretty well. That it, it seemed like it. But I think that. I think that he knew he was a villain then. He, he may not have cared. Well, I he think he made a lot of justifications. Like, he's only preying on people who don't matter right. um, in order to serve people who could do lots of damage if they aren't appeased, even though right. he's creating them to create the demand for his supply. Sometimes you have to create a market. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and what gives him the right to decide who does and doesn't matter? Right, but no, but yeah, that's what I mean, but that's his justification. That's his justification. From his point of view, eh, he's, you know, it all comes out in the wash. Mm-hmm. Yes, over here, and then we're going to do that. Well, I agree. Most villains do think that they're, you know, doing the right thing in their eyes. But with Blaine, one of the things I love about him that gives me so much pity is I think he knows he's doing the wrong thing. I think he is in it for himself and yeah. is gleeful about it. And he's like, I'm in here to make <coughs> sell brain, you know, be an empire. I'm here for myself. And that's one of the things I love about him. He's not complicated. Season two made him level up because he relied an awful lot on his influence and his personality and his network. And in season two, they take that away from him. And he realizes he not only doesn't have any friends, he doesn't have any real allies or, or any partners or anyone he can actually trust. Liz, Liv is probably the closest to somebody he can trust that exists, and they really don't like each other. And he's not even sure why she hates him. I so think if he can, like, level up from that, then yeah. we have a powerhouse to be reckoned with. That would be I take issue with the phrase, do the right thing, even, because that that presupposes that everyone in the show is operating on the same moral landscape. Oh, well, no, right. And he clearly isn't. So, yeah. so I, I don't know. I don't think do the right thing even applies. Yeah, I agree. Well, on that note, we'll, we'll get back to that in a minute. I would like to go ahead and have our panelists introduce themselves. So <laughs> 30 minutes into the panel. Uh, well, let's see. Yeah, sorry. Welcome to the Blaine panel. Uh, we're going to move on to some the inexplicable sexual allure of Blaine. Okay, so I'll, I guess I'll start and I'll do it quickly. My name is Sue. I am a podcaster. I'm with the Anomaly Podcast, which discusses general geek topics, and with Women at Warp, which is a feminist Star Trek podcast. Hi, my name is Wendy Hembrock. I'm one of the co-hosts of Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV, which is a weekly genre television podcast. And, um, yeah, that's me. My name is Kevin Batchelder. I'm another of the hosts of Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. I also lead the DragonCon Newbies group here at Con. Henry Hanks. I'm Blaster.com. And, uh, yeah, go check that site out if you're not familiar. It's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, hi, I'm Sherry Priest. I'm basically some rando who's really into the show. Um, I'm, I'm one of the writer guests, and that's how Carol knows. <laughs> I mostly write science fiction, fantasy, and horror. I have done some comic horror and comic sci-fi, and I just really... She asked me in an email, she's like, send me a list of all the shows and things that you like, and are like super into, so that uh, if I have any panels on them, I can just like shove you in there. So, hi. 
that's mainly because Sherry's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie Smith, I do the uh, iZombie podcast with Robin and Steph. Right on. Yeah. Check it out, folks. They have a lot of great interviews there. Find me on you underscore madman at Twitter and. Technically, this weekend, I'm a professional panelist. <laughs> <laughs> Doing panels for um, the horror track, urban fantasy track, and X track, and one for, one for Brit track. Hey, I think I've still got you more than anybody else. You, you definitely do. You have, you have had my Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. Now, we will go back to your comment, and then I would like to move on to another, category, another character. But we'll I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I had it in my head that we were going around this way, and then we were done, and then we were moving on to this. And anyway, um, in, in any case, it occurred to me when when I was watching, or I had I had seen most of this season. You see, and I have a nice big thick eyes on it. But, um, yeah, the, the notebook's kind of a joke, but anyway, I mean, it's not to me because I, I spend a lot of time on these things. But mm-hmm. yeah, I got um, to look into the librarian's notebook today. I felt very special. Yeah, that's right. He did. He didn't use it at all. Yeah, he, didn't, he, didn't, he, didn't, he didn't use it for two days. Oh, okay. He may have used it before he got here. So. Um, but at least it gave him comfort. <laughs> 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 so, yes, I will take the notebook. Be so. Yes, I, I, you know, I had to go, I had another, I had another commitment. But in any case, um, I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, no, no, okay. Sorry. So as, I, yeah, so as I was going through, some of some of it was a rewatch for me, but then the last few episodes I had not seen yet. So that was kind of fun because I was watching them for the first time. But I, I, So I'd like to move on to Major for a minute because to me, his character has gone through some of the, I wouldn't say necessarily changes in terms of whether he became someone different. Well, obviously, he's something different. But for someone who's had his complete life, or his life completely ripped away from him, you know, that for him to have first lost his fiance and doesn't know why. Then he finds out why. Then she turns him into it turns him into a zombie. He gets ticked off, and then he gets, you know, wrapped in wrapped up with uh, Max Rager. And I've got I, I will say too though that in the beginning, <coughs> watching season two the first time when it was on, when, you know, when it was airing, I would, it, it really annoyed me that he was doing this stuff. I mean, I thought. Oh my God! How can you how can you let him make you do this? But then rewatching it, it was like, okay, I understand why he was doing it. You know, he was doing it for, to protect Liv and all of that. So it made a little more sense to me. But I still think that his his character has become more interesting. I don't think he was all that interesting in season one. And I'm kind of curious on what you guys think of made the new and what I consider improved major. Or whether you don't think so. I'm still mad at Major for leaving the dog on the bus. Yep. That was a big fail for me. But I didn't like Major in season one at all. Yeah, see I um, but the place where I started to like him was when they the whole massacre of the meat cube. That was where his character actually had a purpose. I mean, he really had a purpose in season two. He had his own mission. I thought it was misguided. 
but he had something to do. So I like that. Um, I just want to make sure we leave more time to talk about Liv, so I'll pass. <laughs> we will have plenty of time to talk about <laughs> And Robin, yes. Yeah, I feel like... I feel like Major, uh, they knew kind of what to do with him uh, as the ex-boyfriend for, for maybe half the first season, and then they started to sort of uh, uh, get a little lost into what his character's uh, raison d'etre was, and uh, now he's with the undead, so that bring, uh, opens up more possibilities. Um, so, you know, hopefully that will continue. But you know, it, it's you've got so many uh, great characters, and you know, you got to you're you're, you're going to have strug- you're going to struggles with the writers' room and a few of them here and there. So you can uh, definitely yeah. see that happen. Yeah. I I agree 100. percent I mean, the first season he was just kind of this sad, lovelorn puppy, sort of following her around, trying to figure out what had happened, mm-hmm. and. Um, it kind of, from there on out in the second season, yeah, he does have a little more autonomy. He does have a little more agency. But it, it kind of it, it gets muddled a lot. Mm. And it, it, I, I was somewhere in the middle of the second season, I kind of had this moment of, you know, if he and Liv ever actually trusted one another and actually had any decent system of communication between them, so, between one another, three-quarters of this would have never happened. You know? Like, it is true. I, and I know, and I know that it's a contrivance, and I do. But as a matter of that contrivance, it neutered him in a way that made him really uninteresting to me. And when he finally took some action, when he finally steps outside of his Boy Scout role and does the massacre at the meat cute, like we saying, finally he has taken some action. But then they backpedal, and he spends most of the second season, like, pretending it never happened and trying to hide from it and cover it up. And it's only when Max Rager employs him. He, I'll put it this way. He seems to be a pawn of a lot of things. Mm-hmm. He, 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 is, he is the, the, the mouse that the cat, that some cat or another, is always batting around. Mm-hmm. And it makes, him, it makes him feel weak and ineffective to me. And while I want to feel sorry for him, I get tired of feeling sorry for him. And I would like to see, like, like as close as I ever came to going, yes, was when he took the shotgun to the meet cute. Mm-hmm. And, and, but everything after that, like I said, it's just kind of been backpedaling, softening, hiding, and then running, and then, you know, being forced to do this and being forced to do that. And I'm like, eh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be really brief in that I don't like Major that much as a character but what, what I am seeing in, in this is um, typically if you look at Major Major is supposed to be the standard strong good looking guy you know very fit you know there to be eye candy and everything else who generally would be the the guy that shows up at meet you. Mm-hmm. And they flip that really though. It's he's not fulfilling a stereotyped role just yet. They're actually allowing him to have conflicted feelings. Um, we're gonna throw this word out one more time. The man's been through trauma. Which is what I say on every which is what I say on every panel. Because if you continue to look at and think about it, he didn't come from trauma. His life was good right, up until right. My fiance broke up with me for no apparent reason. I'm kind of confused. I'm good looking. This isn't supposed to happen. Things are going to to happen to me, and now I'm I'm dead and I have these brains. (laughs) Trauma. (laughs) Anybody else have a comment about Major? Okay. We'll go here, here, and then. Um, I think it's a classical role reversal. In the past, in many, many, many years in the past, the show would have a male leading character and then the female who is 
classically around even she's countless blah blah. This is the classical role reversal where you have a strong female character and a weak male character next to it. It's like somebody took a old show and reversed it, just just turned it around and done like hundred eighty on the on the ropes. And that's why we see major especially in the season one, is like what happened? You're you're not the right role. And I don't see him as weak, though. Right? As a, I don't see him as a weak character. I see him as a character that has been dumped in a situation that's clearly out of his death zone mm-hmm. and is struggling. Right. Well, somebody mentioned that he was a pawn, and that goes along with what you're saying. I mean, that, that he's, he's being manipulated by someone else into doing something he doesn't want to do. And I, I did like the, uh, the interchange between he and the, the woman. That was trying to kill herself on the right. The prostitute. Mm-hmm. The prostitute. And he, yeah. Yeah. And he, uh, got her and he kept trying to find her too. When when all the bodies. Oh came yeah. Up yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, and, and that's I mean that that's a shotgun on the wall. She's going to come back one way or another. They're going right. to do something with her, surely, because otherwise that's just like really unfortunate. But. Yeah. Somebody else had a major comment. Somebody had. I, I just wanted to point out that Lane never left a dog in a bus. That's true. <laughs> 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 Hashtag. What does it say about me that I'm more upset about the dog being left on the bus than about the multiple murders? It's just like you know it's a bad horror movie when they kill the dog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just the dog and the dog. Yeah. I actually feel really bad for Major. Like, he's in a relationship with his fiance. She dumps him for no reason. Then he starts, like, these kids that he's Started disappearing and and that that just had a huge impact on him. Yes, right here. One of the things that I actually really really liked about Major was that he wasn't super strong all the time. Um, because I, I don't think he's weak either. Because even though he he knows he's a pawn, but he still does little things to kind of undercut the big company that's controlling him, like. When we find out that all those people he's supposed to kill really he was right, he has it. Yeah. Except for the first two, the first he's two trying, or three. Well, yeah, but he's he's trying so hard to like be that Boy Scout, and it's really interesting, kind of watching his like spiral into madness and deal with all these issues. I think so. There's been a song with her. I always feel bad for him. I, I think so maybe hard. that in this super like surrealistic show mm-hmm. that Major might be our closest to like a real world character. But he's, he's, I, th- I see him as really trying most of the time. I think Damien's absolutely right when he says he's not weak. He's just out of his depth. Mm-hmm. He's trying. He just can't. Well, they did exactly that with sure. another show, though. Like, so, 
I do grim as well. Yeah. And they did that with the character Hank, right? Mm-hmm. Hank was out of his depth for a while on the show, right? And he thought he was going nuts. That would be a perfect. And then they did it to ex- Right. Yeah. Come on. Right. And, and that's part of the problem. It's like, don't drag it out, right, yeah. too, too long. Somebody sit him down. Right. Have the conversation, explain it. But as soon as everything got explained, that's when the character was like, really? I'm not crazy? This is what's happening? All right, cool. I'm in. Where do we start? Right? Because when when you're go, when you're thinking you're going nuts and you thinking it's everything around you, and you're like, am I losing it? And it's like, no, life is in real flux right now. And then you find there's a reason that it makes sense. Then you're able to actually process and move forward. Because without that, he's just going to be stuck thinking, man, I'm I'm crazy. And self-doubt. You know, like like you can't trust yourself and you can't trust your own perception. But that's, that show got so soapy the second half of this last season. I just kind of gave up. I'm like, call me when nobody's pregnant and nobody's fighting. <laughs> yeah, season again. That, okay. I was like, done. Yeah, one more time. Yeah, let's have in the in the ears. Yes, and then we're gonna move on to live so that Kevin won't be Hallelujah. Is like not. It's not that he is weak. It's that he's ineffective. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and they're yeah. not quite this. Like he is trying, and and he's using all of the tools at his disposal. But he's still not successful, really. Although I loved how it came back around to Blaine's father still being available to adjust the will. That was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I don't know if they planned that or not, or somebody went, "Ooh, you know what would be amazing?" <laughs> I don't even care. That was awesome. <laughs> all right, Kevin. Woohoo. <laughs> Well, and I was glad that people actually asked Rose about this a couple of times over the past couple of days about, you know, what it was like essentially playing a different character every week. And or they didn't say it exactly that way, but, it, you know, to that effect. And, I mean, that to me that's so impressive. I can't, I can't imagine doing that. And, that. and she also, one of the things that she mentioned was that you know, it's not just that she's playing these different characters. It's kind of she still has to be herself. She still has to be lived at the same time. She's lived being these other characters because when the other brains take over, she's not that person. She just sees things from kind of from their perspective, and there's a there's a difference there. But I'm going to let Kevin talk about whatever he wants to live because Kevin did me a, a big favor today. So. Um, Anyway, Kevin? Well, no, I think, I think it's, and you brought it up, uh, maybe with the exception of, of Tatiana Maslany, is there any other genre actor that is doing the range and the quality of, of what we're seeing here? I mean, this is just pretty amazing. Not currently, but we can look back on Dollhouse. Yeah. I love Eliza, yeah. but no, I, I'm not saying yeah. it's it's the same quality, but I also I do think it's interesting that it's it's a very similar kind of setup, but it, it did not work with Dollhouse and the the differences that make it work with iZombie. 
Well, and, and but along with all the major props uh, to Rose, I also think is a lot of the writing quality because you've got to make this dialogue work, as you said, Carol, the subtle differences of live as whatever, fill in the blank. So I, I just think between that and the storytelling, uh, especially what they did in season two, especially on rewatch, it's just some amazing stuff. I hope we're appreciating really how good that second season of this show was and how that, I mean, it's, a, it's just some amazing stuff. And uh, along with the humor, and, and it is an, an ensemble, and a lot of them make it work, but Rose has just got to have some major props. Yes. Well, yeah, uh, just just being able to get uh, an Emmy nomination for Crazy Ass Girlfriend was a, was a big deal. So the CW is still kind of uh, under the, the radar for a lot right. of the, the, the major critics and, and awards. <laughs> So it's just too bad, but it, it is definitely award-worthy what she's been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the the writers have not been able to run out of you know the frat guy and and all the different uh, the romance novelists, all the different um, oh, yeah. you know characters she's been able to play that have been great. The the, the crazy optimist, uh, you know, it's it's all been a lot of fun to watch. And, and she's already teased us on a few uh, at the yeah at the panels. <laughs> well, and I get I got one thing I got a kick out of was the way why. Near one episodes near the end of the season, he's trying to talk to Robbie and says, "What's with her? Come on, there's something wrong with her. She's different every time I see her." <laughs> <laughs> Robbie's like, uh, "Well, yeah, I gotta go Robbie's check on something." <laughs> and, and, and so that was uh, that way. That was so funny. I thought, surely he's he's going to have to find out. And then uh, was it wasn't everybody pleased when he did? I was like, oh, yes, yes. 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 finally. Well, it was kind of getting dragged out longer than it Yeah, if the show's long enough, everyone's going to learn all the secrets. Right. (laughs) Not a very good detective. No, (laughs) it's What's he going to pick up? Like, hmm, I know what's happening here. Yes. 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 It was zombie high. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was that character she was all wide eyed with her going, Oh my god, he died in season whatever. She knows us. And I love that. Yeah. There needs to be a show where the zombie is the main character. Yeah, that was like, no, no. Yeah. So I'd like the one because like Kev, with Kevin bringing that up. What was what were you guys' favorite like brains that she was on? <laughs> How many hours do we have? <laughs> no, really. I mean, every time I see I see one and go, oh, that's the best. And a couple of us lives later, wow, look at that! I can't believe she can pull off you know uh, such the wide range is what it is. It's not just a certain genre of focus. It's, I mean, think about it. It's a, such a wide spectrum. <laughs> I think she said that her favorite is the Fred guy, and I have to agree with that. Fred guy was Fred guy was fun. I like the gambler, too, though. Yeah. I was, like, watching that, like, like, like that, that, that tragically ineffective impulse control. <laughs> I can't walk out of room without... Oh, yeah, picking up all the stuff where she was the... Right, 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 where she became, like, really peculiarly OCD for that. It was, that was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, it was, just, well, it was silly stuff, too. You know, when she first started doing it, it was, like... A, a picture frame off of, it's one thing if you're actually investigating this person to take you know but she took a picture frame and a, a great big stapler or something <laughs> it was kind of silly but she did so one of the things she mentioned today too was the the 
the pornographic librarian I felt really attached to the the um, the overachiever oh. brain, the student. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they, because they also said that it was the most like what her personality was when she was still in med school, which I thought was really right, interesting. Right, right. Yeah. Interesting. And if she was like, well, you better have me do this before I, before it wears <laughs> off or I'm yeah. not going to be able to. Yes. With the brain that she was on with the picture frame, the klepto brain, it was the klepto brain, it was the color red that she was attracted to. Everything she was stealing oh. the brain. had something yeah. red on yes, it. Yes, oh, the picture okay. frame was red. She saw like the red eyes from the haunted house. I think the stapler was red. Everything was red. Oh, shouldn't just stick it out. It's funny. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like the mom brain because it oh, really yeah, yeah. her family history. I like when they put the mom in and the brother in, and, and she's being really motherly to the brother who was like, well, what are you doing? <laughs> I thought that was a good Yeah, she goes and wipes off, yeah, puts yeah. And licks her finger to clean off his head. So. Yeah. I do think that the most important brain throughout the show was the paranoid brain. <laughs> right. Because oh, at that yeah. point, she she basically practically figure out that nature is the is the uh, the uh, chaos killer. Yeah. Well, she killer. certainly found out about Rita that way. Yes, mm-hmm. but it's it was the most. There are some brains which is more important, <laughs> less important in my mind. There's brains which is let her figure things out for herself, and then there is a brain which is figuring out monster of the week. Yeah. Right. And each time each time it was kind of as though some of when some of that sticks with you, you know, you're gonna learn a little bit from it. Even if you become yourself again, you still had this experience. She can remember everything. She may not feel it again, but she's gonna she kind of remembers it. Yes. Yeah. Makes it a little easier to be that mm-hmm. person. Does anybody else up here have but a favorite brain? Some of so you, I'm sure, because you're talking about one that compels the plot. The one I really liked was when she was the emo singer, because she was yes. working out all of her issues. Oh, she, yeah, was yeah. A, she was a great singer too. I love right. Yeah. And the gambling one. Every time they went to the barber shop. Right. Oh, yeah. 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 Put me down for <laughs> Or the witchy yeah. win, where she's like coming back, he comes back and finds her with a Ouija board, like talking yeah. to herself. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was fun. Like the, uh, the Real Housewife. I didn't like it. Oh, no, oh, no. I don't watch yeah. reality television. I'm, I'm not going to be able to enjoy this, but that was, it was. Yeah. Yeah, she comes in in the outfit, and the look, the looks on Clive's face every time she comes in. You know, she comes in every day, and it's like even when she looks like herself, she'll be doing something different. But when she really physically changes her look, mm-hmm. his reaction is is priceless. It's just like whatever, I don't know. But um, and I, you know, the the one that she said she had the most difficulty with was the one where the guy who was the the, the racist guy that. That was uh, the bigot. Yeah, the bigot that was yeah. killed, and you know that that was that was difficult to do because you know it wasn't an enjoyable thing to do. But she she still pulled it off, and you know, and I think they did a nice job with it because it didn't go too far. You know, it was it was enough to let us see. Well, this is what this guy was like, but it it you know it probably wasn't enough to make you feel as though oh I can't watch this anymore. I really like the magician brain, where at the end oh, she's yeah. doing the big reveal of how everything worked out, and she's yeah, the person cool. out from under the cart, because 
I love Veronica Mars, and that was yeah. like a little yeah. callback Oh, right. No filter. Right, right, exactly. No filter. Yes. So I also really like the stripper brain, but one of the reasons that I really like the stripper brain <laughs> is because it was the first time that Peyton really got to see her work. Yeah. Right. right. Because at the beginning of season two, there was already the issue with Peyton finding out the end of season one, and so that episode when she really got to like work alongside her and kind of see how the vision setting would work. Yeah, and Allie, Allie mentioned that, you know, she's three days in a row that she's really enjoyed that one because of that, because she got to be part of, of you know, working with Liv in that situation but I and when she brought that up the first thing I could remember is I think it was actually in one of the trailers for the episode too where it, when she's trying to get her to you know be inspired to have the vision she's like well something's got to spark the vision before I have it she's like well how do I help you do that and she's like well here how about the lap dance and that was, was Peyton going Hey. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just thought that was hilarious. She's like, okay, I really want to know, but I'm not sure I want to know that badly. So this feels really weird. You're my best friend. This is bad. So, good stuff. Yeah, they had the scene, I think it was when uh, uh, Liv and Major walked in on, on Robbie, and, and then and, uh, just. The, the writers have to be tempted to have so many scenes where someone walks in on something like a lap dance or something. Right, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what That's is going right. on here? The temptation to do that every every time is crazy. I would have loved to have seen Robbie walk in on that, turn yeah. around and walk right out yeah. with a smile. <laughs> 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 yes. Yeah, poor Robbie. Like, give for the fourth thing. doctor. <laughs> like, nope. I'm just wondering uh, who thinks that Liv will partake in Rob Thomas' break. Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, oh, you mean the general sense, yeah. Because yeah. right at the end, that's how they left it, so we don't know if she's going to or not. Right, so yeah. If she will or not. So. I think she's going to be a rebelli- yes. rebelling against yeah. that yeah, notion, that's, but that's it's going to be a growing threat, I'm sure. Season three to go yeah. is her fighting that. Yeah, and that woman, uh, that was that was a, uh, I can't remember, what's the character's name? The Vivian? Mm-hmm. Vivian, yeah. She's... You know, she when she's just sitting there, kind of snacking. That was a very visceral image to me, yeah. more so than any of the mm-hmm. you know, let's knock off their heads or whatever. I mean, it was the kind of thing that it stayed in my head, unfortunately, um, mm-hmm. for the rest of the evening, and uh, thankfully it was gone by the time I was asleep. <laughs> but but I did, I mean, because she was so casual about it, not because she had to right then, mm-hmm. but it, yeah. you know. But I, one thing I did think was funny about that scene was. When the, the guys pick up the guitars and they're they're playing Matchbox. Yeah, that's exactly the the, the casualness. Uh, Max was very casual about uh, death and violence, and that's that's sort of, and and Blaine is just to an extent too. And that's sort of where you see this the, the line drawn in a very violent kind of a show uh, between mm-hmm. good and evil. Yeah, like who resorts to it and who just passively accepts it. Yeah. But that I think it'll be very interesting 
to see how they handle this. But I, I agree with them. I don't think that Lynn's going to be on board with with this with this woman's plan. But somehow she may have to fake it. Hmm? You know what I'm saying? That yeah. she's yeah, yeah, not, yeah, not necessarily. But you know, kind of like, well, let me think about it. Let me think about it from now until the Yeah. Let me to consider the play Yeah, something like that, or ju- I, I don't know. But I mean, it's going to have serious implications. And, and actually, that particular thing made me think about something else, and that was that okay, when you because I, I think I already mentioned I couldn't get a scene out of my head. Um, but when the, and the woman is saying what they're up to, this zombie homeland or whatever she described it, it's like, okay, does that mean you want to turn everybody into zombies? You don't want to do that because then you have no food source. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, you know it's, it's kind of like you think about vampires. You have to keep some people human or they're going to all die out, you know, that kind of thing. So what their ultimate goal is is going to be very interesting to find out. Well, the implications for Clive, the, the lone human sitting there like, yeah. what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Someone right? please object to this. And Robbie, right? yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. Clive and Robbie are going to be stuck for a minute going, what <laughs> what's our place and role now? Yeah. 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 And I, I know we didn't get to either um, Robbie or Clive, but I would argue that... Or Rita. Yeah. 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 yeah, she was... Yeah. I, I felt kind of she bad for her, even though. I like Rita. Well, I felt I, I felt bad for her after the fact that she tried to save that doctor. Yes. You know her dad. And that was it. One other thing I want to mention: Vaughn. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I, I love Stephen Weber anyway. But he yeah, owned terrific. that role. He did not mind, you know, just coming in there and giving it all he had. And I, I mean, he was every time he was talking another. Scenery to her, but I mean, um, yeah, I mean, he was a true villain. Yeah. Yeah. One handed push ups off the side of the cliff. I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, that was <laughs> funny. That, that ad, yes, oh my gosh, that was so funny. But I, I, I don't know. I, I, what I was starting to say about, um, about Robbie and Clive was that I, I don't think that their characters went through quite as many changes. I love them both, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, I don't think that they had some of the traumatic changes that some of the others did mm-hmm. during this season. So, well, his partner. Right, it's going to cost Clive way more than it's going to cost. Oh, Robbie, I agree. Yeah, but part, I'm just saying, Robbie's it, always been on board. But it didn't happen. He's been the guy it didn't happen until the very end. So, oh, we do have a giveaway. Look at. Um, and then they have a mad dash for the girlfriend. By the end of the season, like like the, 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 end of the last two seasons, it's Walter Goggins. And Actually, he's here this weekend. But, but that, that, it has zombies in it. Well, but 
The iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph is created under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 Unported International License. That means you can share it all you like as long as you link back to us. But please, do not change it or sell it or trade it for brains unless you're going to give us some. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at behance.net slash Deanna Sheehan. Thank you for listening to our show. Obligatory contact information in three, two, one. Go. You can follow me on Twitter at Steph Smith. You can follow me as well at L. Robinero. If you like what we do, check out our other podcast about the Joss Whedon show, Angel, Redemption Cast. Find us at redemptioncast.blogspot.com. I also have a third podcast all about the Marvel Netflix television series, The Defenders Podcast. Find that at defenderspod.com. Like us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Podcast. Join our Facebook discussion group, facebook.com slash groups slash Podcast. You can find those links and more on our home on the web, iZombiePodcast.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Use those delicious cerebellums and make sure you leave it on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. And we're out. Brand Appetit!